Three, two, one. One, two, three. As in 123, which is the day of the year that May 3 falls upon three out of four years. Such facts may or may not be of relevance, but they seem more useful than telling you about dubious holidays, such as the Great American Grump Out or National Lumpy Rug Day. Either way, this is Charlottesville Community Engagement, and I'm Sean Tubbs. On today's program, home sales have dropped, but sale prices continue to increase, according to the latest information from the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. Early voting begins for the Democratic primary on Friday. The cost estimate to build a sidewalk on Stribling Avenue has increased, and Charlottesville City Council adopts an ordinance to retroactively change the now-expired Continuity of Government Ordinance that allowed virtual meetings during the pandemic. In today's first subscriber-supported public service announcement, Camp Albemarle has for 60 years been a wholesome, rural, rustic, and restful site for youth activities, church groups, civic events, and occasional private programs. Located on 14 acres on the banks of the Mormons River near Free Union, Camp Albemarle continues as a legacy of being a civilian conservation corps project that sought to promote the importance of rural activities. Camp Albemarle seeks support for a plan to winterize the Hamner Lodge, a structure built in 1941 by the CCC and used by every 4th and 5th grade student in Charlottesville and Albemarle for the study of ecology for over 20 years. If this campaign is successful, Camp Albemarle could operate year-round. Consider your support by visiting campalbemarleva.org slash donate. The real estate market began 2023 with lower volumes than recent years, according to the latest report from the Charlottesville Area Association of Realtors. There were 688 homes sold in total across the area in the first quarter of 2023, down 23% from last year, the lowest first quarter sales total since 2016. This is the slowest first quarter the car market has had since 2016. Sales volumes were down across the six-jurisdiction region covered by CAR, with 40% fewer sales in Charlottesville and 43% fewer in Nelson. The slowdown is not as sharp in Albemarle and Louisa, which both saw 12% fewer sales. The median sales price for a home for the quarter is $401,200, That's 11,300 higher than in the first quarter of 2022. The total sales volume dropped by $86.3 million. Sales prices in the first quarter were down in Albemarle, Charlottesville, and Nelson County, but increased in Louisa County and Greene County. Fluvanna stayed about the same. These are important numbers to keep in mind when thinking about what real property assessments will be in 2024. At the same time, inventory has increased with 700 active listings as of March of 31st. That's a 48% increase over 2022. That number may continue to improve. There have been 202 total building permits issued in the region so far in 2023, which is the second highest January and February total since 2015. About 53% of the permits so far have been for single-family detached homes. Houses are on the market longer with an average length of 45 days, 15 days longer than in the first quarter of 2022. 
The report also notes that mortgage rates were up and down in the first quarter, with an average rate of only 30-year fixed mortgage at 6.39%. The Democratic primary is on June 20th, but community members who want to go ahead and vote can do so beginning this Friday. Here's a section from a press release sent out this morning by the Charlottesville Office of Voter Registration and Elections. Early voting will take place in the Office of Voter Registration during regular business hours, 8.30 a.m. to 4.30 p.m., Monday through Friday. Voting in Charlottesville takes place in the City Hall Annex at 127th Street Northeast. The Registrar's Office will be open on two Saturdays for early voting on June 10th and June 17th. Anyone who wants a mail-in ballot has until June 9th to request one. Early voting in Albemarle will take place at the 5th Street County Office Building. This primary is busier than in most years, with four contested races. In Charlottesville, there are five candidates seeking three Democratic nominations, with two incumbents in the race. On May 10th at 7 p.m., I will be co-hosting a candidate forum with the Free Enterprise Forum with all five candidates at the Hillsdale Conference Center Ballroom at 550 Hillsdale Drive in Charlottesville. It's on Route 7 bus. You can also watch at home on Zoom. Candidates will explore their vision for the city, including their views on the zoning ordinance rewrite, affordable housing, public safety, equity issues, organizational issues, and economic development. Know of any other forums? Let me know, and I'll list them. There are also competitive primaries for the new House District 54 and the new House District 55, as well as the new Senate District 11. For anything I have written about those races to date, please check out the Elections Virginia tag on Information Charlottesville at infoseville.com. Paying for infrastructure is a complex process that involves a lot of financial planning and budget balancing. On Monday, Charlottesville City Council took action related to two ambitious projects. Sam Sanders is Charlottesville's Deputy City Manager for Operations. So you have a multi-year funding plan that's been put together um, by staff in the past year or so in regards to the Stribling Avenue sidewalk and the Beaufort School reconfiguration projects. Uh, in both instances, we have, uh, in working with staff, identified a need to um, make sure that funds are available in this fiscal year. The Stribling Avenue sidewalk is associated with the rezoning of 240 Stribling Avenue, a development in Fry's Spring that council approved last April for up to 170 units. One of the conditions of the Planning Commission's recommendation for approval was that a sidewalk be built along a roadway which is not up to urban standards. Sanders said the project is now moving into the design phase and that an additional $500,000 needs to be added to the budget, bringing the total to $5.4 million. That was one resolution. The other was for the Buford project. And the second is a $1.5 million, more or less an advance of CIP allocation so that the funds are made available as uh, the team is working. The total budget for the renovation and expansion of Buford Middle School remains the same at just over $91,813,410. It's just uh, reorganizing kind of where, where the money appears so that the staff can continue to do their work and keep the project on time and moving forward for our July 2023 start. Charlottesville Mayor Lloyd Snook noted that there is a legal challenge against the rezoning at Stribling Avenue. What's the current status of the litigation, of the construction, and 
So the litigation has not actually made it to court yet, so it has not gone uh, as a hearing at this time. And the litigation is only in regards to the instrument that you all would, that you approved that we could use with Southern Development. So whether that happens or not, you allocated the funds. That hearing will be on May 12th at 2 p.m., according to the online portal of the Charlottesville Circuit Court. Council held the first reading and agreed to place the item on the consent agenda for the May 15th meeting. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement and in today's second Patreon-fueled shout-out. The Friends of Charlottesville Downtown are getting ready for the month-long Downtown in Bloom event this May with a celebration of art, flowers, and the beauty of spring. And they want you to get ready for a series of free events. Charlottesville City Schools will host their annual art exhibit in the windows of shops on the Downtown Mall with a family night on May 5th with project displays on the Code Building. There will be a spring stroll all month with specialty drinks at bars, restaurants, and coffee shops. Pick up the spring stroll passport to qualify for a special celebration. There will be a flower market at Ting Pavilion on May 4th, that's tomorrow, from 2 p.m. to 7 p.m. Participating businesses will have a flower competition in container gardens and planter boxes outside of their establishments. And the 2023 Chalk Fest will be held on May 20th, with 13 local artists creating murals from the Ting Pavilion to the Dairy Market. To learn more about Downtown in Bloom and other initiatives of Friends of Charlottesville Downtown, visit friendsofseville.org. Charlottesville City Council has adopted a revised version of the Continuity of Government Ordinance that was in place for the pandemic to avoid potential legal trouble. Andrew McRoberts is an attorney with the firm Sands Anderson. This ordinance is intended to uh, clean things up a little bit that were sort of thrown up in the air by a recent Supreme Court case. That case is Berry versus Fairfax Board of Supervisors, in which the Virginia Supreme Court ruled in March that that locality did not have the authority to adopt a new zoning code at an electronic meeting in March of 2021. It fundamentally could potentially change the law, and I say potentially because the case is not yet final. It's under reconsideration. Uh, it may be affected by either judicial or perhaps by legislative processes at the state level. McRoberts said the case has introduced a lot of uncertainty about whether other actions taken at online meetings may be legally questionable, including recommendations of the Planning Commission at different localities. The answer is they acted in good faith. They acted pursuant to your approvals in your continuity of government ordinances, and they act pursuant to recognized exemptions under FOIA. McRoberts recommended adopting a new ordinance to state clearly that council have the authority to take votes during the period. He said the underlying code that allows emergency rules is broad and gave council a wide berth. And the intention is to uh, try to, uh, the best we can, uh, protect uh, the actions that council and the other public bodies took during the pandemic in good faith to try to keep government uh, uh, moving. In response to a question from Councillor Brian Pinkston, McRoberts said localities take actions retroactively frequently. 
One example is the real property tax rate, which is voted upon in the spring, but applies to the entire calendar year. But he said there are limits. Uh, retroactivity, for example, can't uh, act unconstitutionally. Uh, it can't create an ex post facto law and put people in criminal jeopardy for things they've already done. Uh, it cannot uh, unsettle vested rights. Council voted unanimously, and Mayor Lloyd Snook expressed this caveat. Uh, while I'm a lawyer on council, I'm not a lawyer for council, and I trust Mr. McRoberts and the others who have been working on this issue uh, to steer us right. That's the end of this program, number 530 on 12323. This week, I am trying smaller editions as a way of getting out information quicker. But due to a need to be in Harrisonburg tomorrow afternoon, the next edition will not come out until at least Friday. I am convinced that I can turn this into a seven-day-a-week outlet, with time and organization the only factors holding me back. Another is finding the money to pay people to write. To do that, I need more paid subscribers, and perhaps today is the day you sign up if you have not done so already. Hundreds have, and I'm grateful for this. And if you sign up for a paid subscription through Substack, Ting will match your initial payment. And if you sign up for Ting at a link in the newsletter and enter the promo code COMMUNITY, you will get free installation, a second month for free, and a $75 gift card to the downtown mall. Thank you to Rocky for the incidental music. And thank you for listening. We're done and goodbye.